Mark chapter 2, there are two episodes related to Jesus and the Sabbath. So we'll start in verse 23. I'm sorry, I don't know what the Pew Bible page is. I didn't look it up. Mark 2, 23 to 3, 6. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples walked along. They began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Another time he went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with a shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. And then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. And he looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. And then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Two Thursdays ago, I was on campus preaching at Campus Crusade for Christ. I got invited by um, Adam Penning, who goes to Blackhawk, to talk to the college students about rest. Um, The the talk was supposed to be an answer to the question, does God want me to rest? And um, it was really fun to be down there. We had a blast. And I got, I sort of got to the end of the sermon. And I'm talking, you know, I'm talking to all like 18 to 21 year olds mostly, right? And it occurred to me that they might have almost no ability to connect with this promise at all. You know, they could hear the command, because I'm thinking to myself, when I was 18, 19, 20, 21, if somebody had come to me and said, here's the command. The command is, you have to rest. Okay, you need to rest. You need rest. Human beings need rest. You have to rest. That's part of being alive, being sensible, being wise, and therefore following God. Therefore, you need to rest. So rest. If I had heard that message, and I did, ages 18, 21, I could have, I could have very easily gone, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Okay. But you see, the, the, the Sabbath is, a, is more, even more than that, is about the promise of rest. That, that the God of creation, the God of redemption, the God of salvation, the God of the Bible is a God who gives this promise, this promise of rest. He, he says, you know, remember Jesus said in Matthew, all of you who are burdened and heavy laden, come to me. And what? And I'll give you rest. Right? And I, and I, I got to the end of my sermon. I, was, I didn't realize this. So I'm like in the last minute of preaching. I just realized, you know what? These guys might not care that Jesus promises rest. (laughs) Because life hasn't beat the stew out of them enough yet. You know, they're still young and idealistic. The world is their oyster, you know. And, And the promise of rest seems like the opposite promise you would actually want, you know. When, 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 
what most people want is a promise of excitement, right? Alexi and I were on this like little day-long vacation with our family and the kids were in bed. We watched the movie Tombstone again. This is one of my, one of my favorite movies, the Western. And um, there's this scene, which I think is one of the most horrifyingly morally inverting scenes in most of cinema, where um, Wyatt meets this actress lady and um, she basically convinces him that his whole life is like not interesting enough. And she says, um, he says, well, what do you want out of life? And she says, I want room service. I want to just, I want to see the world. I want to go everywhere. Because he just said, you know, I'd like to have a home and a wife and a couple of kids and that would just be heaven on earth. And she's like, whatever. I want room service, right? I want excitement. I don't want to be, I don't want to be here tomorrow. <laughs> and you see, if you don't have any responsibilities and what's right doesn't matter, and if you're not here for any kind of purpose and you can do whatever you want and you want to just seek excitement, then the idea of seeking excitement sounds like a good idea. But if you're a human being who has some kind of moral backbone and you recognize that God has put you here for a reason, you have things you're here to accomplish, you may be married and have kids. And so, you know, running off around the world and just getting room service when you don't even have any income if you did that, that's not very realistic, right? It's just not realistic. And so it might be nice to have this sort of like, well, let's, let's just go get excited. That's, that's really not good news to a tired person who's not independently wealthy. Escapism is not realistic good news to somebody who's not independently wealthy, and that's very few of us. But after you have lived strongly for a couple of decades with some responsibility, one of the things that I think most of us can dial into without too much trouble is the promise of rest. Jesus said, the Sabbath was not made for man. I'm sorry. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so the Son of Man is Lord even on the Sabbath. The Son of Man, Jesus, is the King of rest and over rest. I want to split this into two parts this morning. And um, the first is, why did Jesus choose the Sabbath to pick a fight over? In, in all the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus picks a fight with a religious establishment over this issue first and foremost. And in Mark's gospel, he gets going right away. I mean, we're just in chapter two. And he picks this fight with him right, right away, Right? Why? And then secondly, um, I want to talk about uh, how Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. So first is, um, why did Jesus choose the Sabbath? And here's why I think. He wanted to reclaim the the gift for the rest of humanity. The gift. He wanted, there was this gift of rest that God gave humanity, and human beings had taken it away from themselves, and he had come to give it back. Because it was a central, important Gift he intended to give and that he had come to fulfill. Now, you see, when most of us read Mark chapter 2, it's very easy to think that the reason Jesus picked this fight was because he wanted to speak against legalism. 
That's the point of this passage, that Jesus saw all this legalism, this moralism, this religiosity, and, he, and the main thing Jesus wanted to do is he wanted to cut across the tethers of that and break that thing up as much as possible. He wanted to show that he was the not religious religious guy, that he was the not moralistic moral guy, that he was the spiritual guy. And that's, that's partly true, but, but still, why the Sabbath? You see, because you go, well, this is the thing they were most legalistic about. Well, yeah, they were really legalistic about the Sabbath, but they were really legalistic about a lot of other stuff, okay? There were all these rabbinical laws about how to wash your hands. I mean, I've got three kids. It takes me like 30 minutes to get all three of them to wash their hands, but these guys had time to come up with laws about exactly how to rate, wash your hands. They had laws, in fact, one, one of the gospel writers says, and they had many other laws like this, including how to wash pots and kettles. I mean, have you ever, have you, I mean, what would you do if you're, you have a guest and you're in your kitchen and you're, you just cook them dinner and you're washing your dishes, right? And they're watching you wash your dishes and they would go, you know, you're not really doing that right. I mean, that's when you, you boom, you give them one of these, right? You're like, you're going to tell me how to wash my pots? You serious? Right? But there were all these rabbinical laws about how to wash pots and kettles, how to wash your hands, how to cleanse your house, how to— how to do all that stuff, right? So why the Sabbath? And I think the reason is because we do not understand as modern Western people how central the Sabbath was to everything a Jew was, to everything it meant to be the people of God. The Sabbath was at the very center of that. Um, think about it this way. Um, the Sabbath, isn't the Sabbath the one Ten Commandment that you're still wondering why that made it into the Big Ten? I mean, be honest. You read the Ten Commandments, you get to the Sabbath day, you're like, really? And, here, and here's why. Most people would say that of the Ten Commandments, nine of them are just as true now. We just as much have to obey them now, right? We'd go, yeah, well, there's no other gods besides God, yeah. Okay, we shouldn't use God's name in vain. That makes sense, right? You know, and you're like, yeah, murder, that sounds like something we should keep not doing. Stealing, right? Yeah, okay. Not committing adultery. Well, let's put that one with Sabbath. I mean, we, we've got these, most of us would recognize that nine of them were like, oh yeah, you should still do this. Most cultures in the world accept the, the latter six. But this one, people are like, rest for a day? What? How did this make it in the Big Ten? Well, it made it in the Big Ten because it was one of God's Big Ten. I mean, God intentionally included it here. And not only does he include it here in Exodus 20, he includes it in Deuteronomy 5, just the same. It's the, lo it's the longest commandment. Do you ever realize that? It has the most explanation about it and why and how and how to live it out. It's in both places, in Exodus 20 and, De and Deuteronomy 5. It's explained slightly differently to fill it out more, and it's recommanded a number of times in the Torah. And when God is upset as his people to send them into exile, you know what he says? You'd think he'd say, well, you know, they burned their children alive in pagan sacrifices. You know, I really don't like that. And he says that in a couple places. But you know what he says more reliably than even they sacrificed their children by burning them alive? My people desecrated my Sabbath. That's what he says in Isaiah and in a number of places in the Old Testament. I mean, how on earth is this so central? But it, but it is. And part of the reason for this is, 
if you were to look at the, the Jewish life in this time, there were essentially two signs. There were two outward signs where you could say, that guy is a Jew and not something else. The first one was circumcision, and that's not always outwardly evident. Right? It's not always outwardly evident. The, and the second one is that they are a people who keep the Sabbath. Therefore, the Sabbath was the fulcrum of identity. And when you think about why God tells them to live out the Sabbath, he gives a number of different reasons, and all of those reasons are really big ones. For example, in Exodus 20, the first giving of the Ten Commandments, it says, um, it gives a command, don't work seven days, six days you should work, on the seventh day you rest, don't let anything in your household work, no, no slaves, no servants, no foreigners living with you. Um, in Deuteronomy you'll see it says not even your animals can work. Not even your animals can work. And then it says for, oh wait, I have laser. Doesn't work though. There it is, see? For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth the sea and all that's in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Right? So what does he link the command to rest to? Creation, right? That's kind of a big deal. Creation's a big deal? Would you go with me on that one? Okay. In Leviticus 25, oh, and just so you recognize how widespread this idea of rest is, in a number of places in the Torah, it, it com the command doesn't even go just down to your animals. It goes all the way down to the very land itself. Every seventh year, you couldn't make the land work. <laughs> you, I mean, your trees could grow apples and you couldn't pick them. I mean, ev every seven years, everything rested. You couldn't very well grow crops and have them rest every seventh day. Right? And if you think this isn't important, do you know what Scripture says is the reason the Jews were in exile in Babylon for exactly 70 years? It says in Scripture that the reason it was 70 years was because the Jews had lived in the land 70 times 7 years and they'd never let the land rest. And that God selected that amount of time because the, the land would now get to rest. Because Sabbath and rest and not desecrating this great gift of God was incredibly important in God's intentions for human beings. Right? In Deuteronomy, look what it's linked to. It says all this about, same thing about resting. And then here's Why? The next verse, it says, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Now think about that. It's, it's a different new giving, totally different reason. So God has linked the Sabbath day to what? To creation. Now what's he linked it to? Redemption. I mean, the whole salvation of God's people. The, the greatest freeing of slaves in the history of the world up until that time. It was the freeing of a whole race from the domination of a whole other race. And do you know what it says in Exodus? It was one of the marks of how bad the slavery was. Was that the Pharaoh kept working them harder and harder and never let them rest. 
He never let them rest. He said, well, if they, if they have time to have babies, they have time to work harder. Right? Starting to sound a little bit like American Work Week, doesn't it? But, but you see, there's this, there's this idea that God is very serious about this. He's linked it to creation. He's linked it to redemption. And then he goes on in, um, in Leviticus 23, and he says, okay, here are the things you're to celebrate. Here are the celebrations you're supposed to have about God. And there were a number of celebrations Jews were supposed to have every year. One had to do with the Exodus, celebrating his salvation. One of them had to do with celebrating the harvest that God gave them food to eat. There's a number of celebrations. One of the celebrations was, and it was the only one that was weekly, was to celebrate that God is a God that gives rest. And then lastly, in Exodus 31, he says that the Sabbath is the sign of the covenant between him and his people. I mean, think about that. It is linked to creation itself. It is linked to the redemption of an entire race of people, the greatest salvation in history up until that time. It is linked to celebrating the very goodness of God's character weekly, and it is linked to the very sign that a people belong to God and are his. Friends, I think that that is why Jesus wanted this one back. That, I, th- I believe that that is why Jesus came and went straight for the Sabbath and said, you give me this back. Because you have taken the command of freedom and you have made out of it a law of slavery. The rabbinical laws at this time were, um, were sort of ridiculously strict. So let's do a little quiz on them. Um, tell, you, you decide whether or not you can do this on the Sabbath if you lived in Jesus' day, okay? One, can you carry an old lady out of the field if she falls down and gets hurt? Yes. Okay. Wrong. No, you can't. You can't because you would be carrying her out on a stretcher that has little legs, and if you tripped and one of the feet hit the ground, you would have plowed. So that would desecrate the Sabbath, and you would deserve the death penalty under Jewish law. Second, can you chew gum on the Sabbath? So you can shout out your answer. This will be— No, yeah, they didn't—they didn't have gum. Where's my— Oh. Yeah, they didn't have gum in 1300 BC when Moses got these, and they they might in Jesus' day, I don't know. Um, Three, can you eat an egg you find under a hen on the Sabbath? Why not? Because the egg, because the hen might have worked on the Sabbath. Because it's under the hen, but you don't know when the hen laid the egg. So she might have laid it on the Sabbath, and then that means she would have worked. And therefore, your animal would have worked. That's the fruit of your animal's work on the Sabbath. And even though it's already done, you still can't eat the egg. Okay. Glad we have that straight. Okay, last. Can you pick a single head of edible grass and eat it if you're walking by it on the Sabbath day? No, because that would be both reaping and threshing. Um, And then lastly, I cleaned this one up a little bit from when we said it in the college thing. Can you wipe yourself after going potty on the Sabbath day? Yes? Uh, according to a lot of Orthodox Jews, even today, the answer is um, yes, but you can't unroll any paper on the Sabbath day. So you either got to use the whole roll, or you got to think ahead and, and unroll all you might need and break it up and put it next to the potty so that you wouldn't have to unroll it, because that would be work, okay? So 
you, you can see that th- things got a little crazy in terms of making laws about this thing. And see, the, the, part of the point here is, is that, um, part of the point here is that, isn't it ironic that the, that the command that God was so serious about in terms of giving people rest turned into the opposite, right? The command to give people rest ended up becoming work. The, the command that God gave be, that was a command of freedom, right? You came out of the land of slavery, right? And, and one of the commands in Deuteronomy 5 is you, you can't make anybody in your household work. There's a social justice focus. It's not just you can't work. It's you can't make anybody work. That's why the old blue laws in America said you couldn't go out and buy stuff on Sunday. Why? Because the store had to be open. And so somebody was working. You were making somebody work. It was a violation of Deuteronomy 5. And in some ways, a fairly sensible one. You see, he's saying you can't make, even if you have a slave, the slaves of the Israelites must be freer than most day laborers in other communities. That was the command God. Because on that day, nobody can be made to work. You can't even work your donkey. Certainly not a human being, right? But these laws had made that freedom slavery. And they had turned the sign of the covenant that was supposed to point to a celebration of the goodness of God into a religious legalism that would make nobody want to be part of God's people, must less celebrate it. Right? And so Jesus comes in and he basically says, you give me this back. I made the Sabbath for humankind so that they could rest. And you have so changed it that you act like in eternity past, I thought up the idea of Sabbath first and then thought up the idea of creating humans so I could make them obey it. See, that's not what happened. I I thought up human beings first. I purposed to create humans and then as an act of my love towards humans, I gave them the gift of resting and it was so important that I enshrined it among my most foremost, clearest, in your face, first ten commandments. And I made it the sign of the covenant. I linked it to creation. I linked it to redemption and I made it their first and most regular party. Their most regular celebration was that God is a God of rest. He is not a slave driver. Right? Give it back to me. Now, that's only half of it. When Jesus says, human beings were not made for the Sabbath. I made the Sabbath for human beings. So start acting that way. It's a gift. He then said, So the Son of Man is Lord, Master, or King, even, it's an important word in this, ca- in this case, even on the Sabbath. You see, Jesus recognizes how central the Sabbath is. So when he says the Son of Man is Lord, even on the Sabbath, he's saying, Not only am I Lord of this, these other smaller things, but this thing that is right at the middle of everything. If I'm the Son of Man, I'm Lord even of this. Even on the Sabbath, I'm Lord. And now now think about that. Jesus being King of the Sabbath, 
The Sabbath is the mark of what? Three things again. The mark of creation. I am king of the Sabbath. He, he is implicitly claiming to be the king of creation for which the Sabbath stands. And he's also claiming to be the king of what else? Redemption, salvation from slavery for which the Sabbath stands. He's also being, he's also claiming to be king of the demonstration of God's goodness, the celebration of the Sabbath, that he himself is the embodiment of God's goodness, his truth that is exemplified in his giving of rest to humanity. And lastly, he is himself the sign of the new covenant of the people of God spread to all humanity. He is himself Lord of the Sabbath. There's this passage in, I just said passage in, I'm not talking about disease. There's this passage in Psalm 127, which doesn't explicitly mention the Sabbath, but here's the first couple of verses. It says, unless the Lord, and this is the only this is, if you remember back to my sermon on Solomon several weeks ago, this is the only psalm attributed to Solomon, okay? Busy guy, right? Busy guy. hundred thousand women, building kingdoms everywhere, stables, horses, everything. Gold, busy guy. Here's what he wrote. This is the only psalm attributed to him. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. That's one of my ministry mantras. I'll just tell you that. It's one of my ministry mantras. He grants sleep to those he loves. Now you gotta put, if you put that in your mirror, you gotta also put on the other side of your mirror, um, how long you sluggard will you lay there? When will you get up from your sleep? You gotta have them, you gotta have them both there on your mirror. Um, but, 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 you know, what Solomon is recognizing, he says, listen, you can do everything right. And you can, you can, you can work seven days if you want to. And you can labor. He said, listen, but it's really atheism, isn't it? It's really atheism. Um, the Sabbath is itself a creed. If you stop working and you come to church, it's a creed. You're saying, I don't have to work on Sunday. I can work six days hard and then I can stop because I know that my God is the one ultimately who gives me food to eat and it's my God who grants sleep to those he loves. One of the things that my God wants for me is rest. And I've got to trust to a certain extent his provision. I've got to be completely faithful in everything I'm supposed to do. Right? The builder builds the house and watchman watches the city. We labor for food. But it's in vain that we do it idolatrously, he says. Because God is a God who, one of the gifts he gives to those he loves is rest. Now, there's two ways you can hear this. You could hear it this way. You could hear, listen, God is really serious about the Sabbath. So get busy, work hard, and rest. Right? I mean, that's what you could hear. You could say, hey, here's, an, here's another command that, I mean, I was already doing the nine, but now I got to do the ten and all these others. And it's my job. To, and one of the things I've got to do is I got to, I got to, be a Sabbath guy, and I got to rest on Sunday or whatever the seventh day is, and you know, I got to, 
you know, bear witness to creation and redemption or whatever heady thing he said, and, you know, great, just another thing to do, right? And is the result of that going to be you feeling emotional rest? It's not, right? So I could be as bad, this, this could be as bad as the Pharisees, right? I, Jesus could show up in my office and be like, give me that back, right? I mean, you, you've got to hear this right. You can't just hear what I've said about the centrality of the Sabbath and what I said about Jesus. You've got to put it together properly, or it's just going to be another law. It's just going to be another, another bit of bad news that was intended by God to be good news. The, the point here is not get busy and rest. The point here is, is that you and I, humanity as a whole, and all of us in particular, were given the gift of rest by God. It was his original intention to begin the work of redemption by starting it off with one of the ten things he started cleaning up at the beginning was that we would be resters. We would get off the self-salvation model of work, you know, pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps only and really believing we're the ones who made ourselves successful and realize that we're faithful and God is gracious so we can rest. And here's the problem. We don't. Look around, look inside yourself, look at your family, look at the culture that we live in, look everywhere, and what you'll find is we are not a resting people. We are not a people physically at rest. We are not a people emotionally at rest. We are not a people mentally at rest. I mean, how many of us stayed up later than we planned to last night with things running through our heads? How many of us right now have some kind of problem and our hearts are really deeply troubled and churning and spinning around? You may, you may not have even listened to most of what I said this morning because you're thinking about something else. Because, and here, why? Because your heart and your mind aren't at rest, Right? You might be sleeping right now, or trying to, if I hadn't interrupted you, because you're tired. You're physically, you're not rested. You're not at rest, right? We, we are a people who are not marked by rest. And here's what, here's what I have to tell you. The good news is not, so go do it. The good news is, God has provided in our failure to receive even his gift of rest, a greater rest, who is Jesus Christ, come, died, and risen, the purchaser and giver of rest in all ways, the giver of ultimate physical rest and rest now, the giver of real emotional and mental rest. When we recognize that no matter how much we labor, if we believe in him, there's a point at which we can lay it down and let it go and sleep like a Christian. And that is not something you work to gain. It is something that God gives. In Genesis 1 and 2, God worked and then he rested. In our lives, Jesus worked so that you and I can rest. And that's, and if you think I'm just spiritualizing this, this is exactly what Scripture says in Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4 is all about Jesus being the Sabbath. It says before, Jesus is greater than the angels. Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than all these things. And one of the things he is greater than and is himself is the rest of God. And he says, for if Joshua had given them rest in the land when he took it over, he said, God would not have spoken about another day, meaning later on in the Psalms, which came much later, he would have said, I have a rest that's coming. He wouldn't have said that because they would have already been living in the rest. 
If the promised land, if Israel, the country, had been God's rest, God would not have said later in the Psalms, I have a greater rest coming. And so he says, so there remains, therefore, a kind of rest for the people of God that is bigger and greater than the Sabbath command. For anyone, he says, for anyone who enters God's rest must also rest from his own work just as God did from his. And the whole point of that chapter is that that's Jesus. Jesus is that rest. And he says, therefore, stop working for rest. It's a contradiction. Stop working your mind to get it to be quiet. It's just going to get louder. Quit working your heart to try to figure everything out and get it all settled. It's just going to make it louder. There is a rest of God that comes from the greater risen Savior, Jesus. It comes by faith alone. It's completely a gift, and you have to stop working to get it, not start working to get it. Jesus is a gift of rest to people who are bad at resting and are failures at receiving God's gift of rest. And it's only when we realize and accept that we're bad resters and we receive the spiritual rest and personal rest that comes from faith in Jesus, that we will finally find ourselves able to practice restfulness in our actual lives. The thing you can't do now, no matter how hard you work, is the thing that will come if you stop and believe, cease from your work, and come to Jesus, who is God's greater Sabbath rest, Because he is the creator, he is the redeemer, he is the sign, and he is himself the celebration. He is the son of man. Let's pray. Father, um, we pray that as a people who have little rest in our lives, we pray that you would come and we would recognize that you are the one who gives rest to your people, that Jesus is that greater rest that we can rest from our own righteousness, we can rest from our own um, neurotic future planning, we can rest from our worries of whether or not our spouse will stay with us or leave us, whether our kid will turn out right or not turn out right, that all the things we think we have control of that possess us and that destroy our ability to be at peace. We pray that you would free us through faith to believe in Christ, our righteousness, our hope, our truth, our goodness, our future, our eternity so that we can merely be faithful in our work and not allow our work to destroy our rest. Come and be received by us as the creator of rest, as the redeemer of people in slavery to work, in busyness of mind. Come and be the sign of our relationship with the Father and be the one in whom we celebrate freely because we have rest. Pray in Jesus' name, amen.